Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Thursday, January 7th, 2021. It feels good to say 2021, our first show of the new year. I took a major hiatus from the moment the Christmas Day games ended through New Year's of just needing to unplug. So good to be back with you, buddy. I know you were worried about me from across the country. but uh, Yes, I, yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. I didn't get any texts. I didn't get any Celtics text messages. <laughs> I was a little concerned. I didn't know how to take this. I didn't know if you were just unplugging. Everything was okay, but... You know, good to see my. my, But I'm I'm glad. But I'm. But I'm glad you followed up. So I was really concerned. I I was really concerned, especially anything, anything that has to do with the Celtics, and I don't hear from you. I get a little concerned. Glad to see (laughs) that you're okay. The Celtics have been uh, pleasantly surprising. We'll get to them in a minute. Let's start with a very. Interesting and fluid situation. What have we learned thus far, BJ, about the Houston Rockets? What have we learned thus far about the Houston Rockets? Very interesting question. And I think it's very complicated what we've learned because of the following what we know, or at least what has been reported, is that James Harden wants to get out of Houston. And that puts the players that are currently there on the team, that puts James Harden, the coaching staff, in a very peculiar situation because if he doesn't want to be there, if he has one foot in and one foot out, that puts everyone in a very awkward position. So what have we learned? Well... I don't know what we have learned anything about the Rockets other than that the Rockets are going to continue to field calls. And at some point here, hopefully sooner rather than later, they're going to have to move James Harden. At least that's what it appears to be until James Harden and team figure out what's the best situation for him. When I say team, team Harden, that's going to figure that out. And I think that's what we've learned. I mean, John Wall looks terrific. Uh, Christian Wood looks like, you know, he's ready to take another step. You know, Boogie is looking like Boogie. Had a nice game Wednesday a against nice the Pacers. Nice game. Yeah, Eric Gordon. I mean, when I look at the team, I go, that's a pretty nice team. Um, you know, Coach Silas. Yeah, Coach Silas looks like he's ready to move. But it always depends on your star player. James Harden is... The question at hand. So you ask me how the Rockets are doing. Well, 
until James has both feet firmly planted in the door, ready to go, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a very murky situation up there. And, um, you know, and until they figure that part out, I don't know what to think of that Houston Rockets team because, at least on paper, they look very talented. I don't know who that voice needs to be, like who is the the hardened whisperer, right? But I'm not going to say this is potentially the best roster he's ever had, but this roster is clearly much different in its construction than in the past years. They somehow um, saved themselves from the mistake of dealing Capella bringing back Covington and having no bigs on the roster. And now they have Christian Wood and Boogie on the roster where Boogie can ease his way back. I know he wants to play more minutes than he's playing, but you can both platoon these guys and combo these guys at the four or five. And John Wall for me here is, is the key as great statistically and still ability as Russell Westbrook was as good as Chris Paul was when he was healthy with Houston. I think John Wall is the guy that Harden, the the type of guy that Harden's needed all along um, if healthy. And he's showing right now that he is, uh, is he the old John Wall yet? No, but he has been very impressive so far. And you mentioned Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker still on the team, David Nwaba giving them good minutes. Uh, Daniel House a little banged up. This is a good roster. And Harden, Wall, I mean, just just imagine a closing lineup if they can stay healthy and figure it out. Boogie, Christian Wood, Harden, Wall, and another 3 and D wing. Like, to me, that's a tough team. That's a really tough team. And, you know, we know what Boogie Cousins can do playing out of the post, passing the basketball, and we know what he can do as a uh, pick-and-pop player from the from the five position. So I, I'd i love to see the Rockets figure it out. And at this point, you know, um, the Rockets have very little leverage when it comes to a trade partner. So there hasn't been, you know, another alert today about, you know, trade packages, you know, X, Y, and Z could offer. I don't know if you're hearing anything new, but, if I'm a, a if I'm a, a team that was at all interested at one point, I'm sitting back now and waiting until this price and demand um, drops, or or I'm not interested. Are you uh, are you hearing anything new in terms of uh, the hardened trade partner front? Is there anyone new emerging, or is there anybody who is uh, out back in? What are you hearing? Well, I think like most teams, Eric. I'm going to continue to monitor the situation because you always look at teams who are underperforming at the beginning of the season to eventually emerge. And one of those teams, and I'm not saying that they will do it, will be like the Toronto Raptors, for instance. It will be a team like that that will feel the pressure to have to change up things and have to ha- and, and have a package t- to get back to Houston that they, whatever direction they are, are going to, you know, move, move forward in meaning, you know, John Wall is still a player that is capable of playing at a very high level right now. So before they go full rebuild or, you know, looking into the future, 
I think maybe you want a combination of players who could play now with the addition of maybe getting draft picks and so forth and so on, whatever that package may be. So I'm going to look at teams that are underperforming, uh, whether that's in the Western Conference or Eastern Conference, that can give a package that will address the now because you have John Wall who's playing. I mean, John Wall looks, I dare say, he looks every bit to me as fast as he did before the injury right now, especially early in the season. Boogie, hopefully, knock on wood, will continue to get stronger and stronger, and Christian Woods. And this team could win now. This team could win a little bit. So we'll see how this plays out. I think whatever they have to do, they're going to have to have a huge package because James Harden will demand a lot in return, which I think is going to deplete that team wherever he goes and really slow down the process of wanting to win now. I mean, think about it. Now, wherever he goes in a trade, you're going to have to give up something. And mm-hmm. James Harden alone is not going to get it done. So we'll see. But I'm going to look, continue to look at teams like the Toronto Raptors, look at teams that are potentially or possibly underperforming, especially early in the season, and see what kind of package they can put together that will work for both franchises or multiple franchises. You never know. Maybe it's a three or four team deal somehow because I think it's going to get complicated on what the Houston Rockets are looking to receive back in return. Sure. I mean, if I'm Houston and I'm talking to Toronto, like I'm asking for Siakam back. And if that's not possible in the deal, then move on because I don't think Van Fleet fits with the rest of the, I I don't know how Van Fleet and wall fit in the backcourt. I'd have to think about that a little bit more, but Toronto is a great example of a team with uh, high expectations after the last couple of years. And they are uh, really uh, struggling out of the gate at one and six to start the year. Another team rumored to be in the Harden race, but is not struggling. They are off to a great start. No surprise to either of us, considering who their new head coach is, the Philadelphia 76ers. No, I have not yet emotionally adjusted to seeing Doc Rivers lead the rival, but BJ, um, Joel Embiid looks like the player we've hoped he would look like. Tobias Harris has become a very efficient 19 points per game uh, player back with Doc. We have to remember Doc was with Tobias in LA before Tobias was traded. Um, and Ben Simmons and Seth Curry are proving to be a, uh, a nice fit together in the backcourt. So what have you learned so far? about Philly and the effect that Rivers has had. Leadership, leadership, leadership. Doc Rivers has provided this group the leadership necessary and given them the stability to figure out how to play with one another. You know, Doc did something very unusual in the summer. He was very positive in everything he said about this team over the summer. And when he took the job, well, I should say in the off season when he accepted the job there in Philadelphia. The one thing we haven't heard since Doc has been there is whose team is it? They're playing together. Defensively, they have been terrific. They've been terrific on the defensive end. We talk so much about offensively, who's scoring, whose team, who's getting the touches, all of those things. But if you really want to win games, Eric, you got to, you got to defend. You got to be able to stop. And 
that to me is the first sign of being a part of a team and buying into what the coach and the coaching staff is trying to do. They seem to have bought. They seem to have bought in on the defensive end. Joel Embiid. Yeah, just real quick, just uh, all joking aside. I mean, besides allowing 136 points, including 60 by yes. Brad Beal Wednesday night, right. you they're they're tops in the league in defensive yeah. rating. And yes. you know what? They let up 136 points, and they still figured out how to win the game. Th- this as is you, what I love. Saying. Yeah, this is what I love about what they're doing is they are building this camaraderie as a group to know that, yeah, we cannot play well. Yeah, we cannot shoot well, but they still find ways to win. So I'm giving this team a lot of credit, in particular Doc Rivers, because we've all said over the years, they have premier players or premier talented players. For some reason, this hasn't come together. I know it's early in the season, but thus far, thus far, early on, Eric, I really like what I'm seeing. I like how they're playing. I like how Tobias is fitting in with this group. I like what Seth Curry is doing. And they're bringing along the young players to contribute as well. And the professionalism of all of the veterans that they brought in, in particular Dwight Howard to me, yeah. Has just White, been Danny Green. It's been, it's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 been it's been it's been nice to see because in the end, winning covers up everything. And when you win, it looks great. I like the fact that we're talking about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons what they're doing on the court. And and I and I want to point out one other thing is is Doc has done something on the offensive end that to me is is always signifies what makes a great coach. He's simplified the game. Ben Simmons looks incredibly aggressive every time he touches the ball. Like there's no doubt what he's going to do. He's going to attack that basket. That's what I really love offensively what Doc has done. There's no hesitation with Ben Simmons. Yeah, we talk about is he going to shoot threes and all of those. Okay, we can talk about that. But what he's doing right now is attacking the rim at a very high rate. He's doing what Ben Simmons does. He passes and creates havoc on the offensive end. But he's not hesitating. And that's what I respect. And that starts at the top. When Doc Rivers has given this team the confidence to go out there and say, do what you do. And it's given them the freedom to be able to figure out how to do it together and demand that they play together. And I really like what I'm seeing, especially early on in the season with this Philadelphia 76ers team. And I think there's a direct domino effect there between Ben being aggressive and how that helps specifically Embiid, Harris, and in turn now Seth Curry, who's been Mm -hmm. a, a really like we knew he'd be a good role player for them, but I wasn't expecting this much this soon. And that takes the pressure off Danny Green too to be like consistently, you know, twelve to fifteen a night. He can be more of a a veteran role player off the bench who can obviously shoot the three, plays in defense, and 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 be that presence. So uh, we'll keep an eye on Philly, but you couldn't have asked for a better start from them. <laughs> you and, know, I, and I really hope that they do not go near the James Harden situation in terms of what's best. for Well, them. yeah, I mean, look, I think there's always going to be that rumor there. But when you're looking at a team and you're looking at it 
holistically on how to build a team. I don't think it makes sense for Philadelphia to Agreed. take on a James Harden. If you look at it holistically, but I hey, look, this is the NBA, anything is possible. But I was watching that game against uh, the Washington Wizards. And you're too young to remember this, but maybe you're not. When I was watching the Philadelphia 76ers play, I was like, God, this, this style reminds me of someone that I've seen before. And I kept watching, I kept watching. And you know what it reminded me of? Okay, this is going to be a flashback. It reminded me of the early years of Magic Johnson when he was playing with Norm Nixon. Mm. Pre, Pre-Byron pre Scott. So just to frame it up for it's everybody, just, that's Magic's first four years. Yeah. It just remind like Seth Curry just reminded me of like Norm Nixon <laughs> and Magic was kind of like, he was just Magic. And I was watching Ben Simmons and I was like, God, he's really good, but he just... You know, he's over here. He's over there. He's he's in the post a little bit. He, I mean, he just, and then you had the big fella, Joel, just kind of, you know, when things break down, when he gets in position, they all make, always make sure that he gets a touch. Hmm. But it just reminded me of that team that everyone kind of plays around those guys. And Steph Curry was Norm Nixon. He just reminded me of Norm Nixon. I don't know why I was no, watching it. No, it's interesting. And, and, you know, the physical attributes of having the, you know, abnormally tall, long, ragey point guard and then the right. undersized kind of combo scoring two guard. Um, yeah, love that. It just reminded me, it just I reminded yeah. me of that. And I then, haven't had uh, a good Norm Nixon reference in a minute. That's yeah, it just, it just reminded me of that, so. But nonetheless, here we go. Love that. Love that. For those scoring at home, Norm Nixon and Magic Johnson won two championships, 80 and 82. And then after the Lakers lost to Philly and Moses Malone and Dr. J and the crew in 83, Norm Nixon was traded, correct me if I'm wrong, to the Clippers for their draft pick that became Byron Scott. I, I think I nailed it, but I also didn't have my afternoon cup of coffee. Um, we're going to stay in the, uh, the, the Atlantic, the old school Atlantic triangle. And, um, you know, all joking aside, going into the season, the Celtics, I was cautiously optimistic at best, knowing Kemba's out, knowing the quick turnaround from the bubble, knowing a lot of unproven young depth and, um, not getting too ahead of myself. Uh, Boston Celtics defeated Miami uh, Wednesday night on their first of two meetings uh, this week. And as we record this on Thursday, the Celtics sit at six and three. Uh, they've played hard. They've competed. And of course, uh, Jalen and Jason have been uh, headlining these wins. So what have you learned thus far about the Boston Celtics? Okay, those two guys that you named, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, look, they are now a tandem. They are now J and J. They're like peanut butter and jelly now. They, they, they are. They're, they're one here. and the same. They're here. They're here. 
Peyton Pritchard, where did this guy come yes. from? Yes. <laughs> you know, that guy, that guy's at Where did the park. he come from? That guy's at the park. That guy's winning every drill station competition at camp. I have to imagine oh, in the Northeast, he's a cult hero right now. I have to imagine that every young player in the Boston area now feels that they can play in the NBA. Yeah. He, you have to give him credit. I mean, he, he's playing well. He has, you know, he's figured out how to compliment those players, stay out of the way. I don't know if he's a point guard or a two guard or what have you. He's tough on the defensive end. Oh, he's a point guard. And he plays with Marcus Smart, alongside Marcus Smart, without Marcus Smart. And he's contributing. I mean, give him credit. Get, and he's tough. He's tough. So I like, I mean, Jason Tatum is great. I, I, you know, I think I said it. In the bubble, I, I'm expecting Jason Tatum to make a run this year at the MVP. I really do. I, I just see him continuing to emerge. I mean, he's scoring 25 points regularly. Like, he gets 27 or 30. You're like, oh, you know, that's just and, what he and, does. And the night Jalen gets 40, he's got nine assists. Like Jason it's... Tatum is just ready. You know, he's ready. Jalen Brown... He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the NBA because every single year he adds something new to his game. He he he's he's like a pro's pro. He like you know, he just he's the guy that you know, you say you, you know, he, he just adds a little this, a little that. Now he's he's just playing the game now at a very nice pace that you like to see young players, you know? I don't know how good Jalen Brown will be, but I do know this. Jalen Brown will be the best version of Jalen Brown that he can possibly be. That young man, I, I, I have so much respect for him on the court, off the court, and what he does. He just brings it every single night on both sides of the ball. I like their team. You can see the holes that they have as a team. I'm, I'm still not sold on that center position, what they're doing as far as rim protection. Well, our guy Rob Williams has had some nice games thus far. Yeah. Tristan and Tyson have been a little hot and cold, but Robert Williams has had some nice games. Uh, Grant Williams, who's playing uh, his minutes now in the four, has also played strong. I'm not convinced yet either, but I'm I'm very encouraged by what Robert Williams is doing. But real quick, but before your next point, I, I didn't want this to get lost regarding Jalen. Because I see one very clear added ingredient that was not there at the beginning of last season. We started to see it and notice it in the bubble. At least I did. Um, For me, it's this pull-up jump shot where he is, obviously he's he's gotten very comfortable from behind the three-point line. But now he is um, very patient with working his way into that elbow elbow extended area and because of his strength and athleticism he's just going up over people and there's nothing they could do and he's shooting that with a lot of confidence i don't know if you've noticed that or what else have you noticed about jalen's growth that has stood out jalen he's becoming much more efficient as a player 
I mean, he he's a three dribble max player. He's worked on his handle, first of all, but he gets to where he's going to get to on the floor now. And that just shows me the maturity of his game of saying, I'm going to get to my spots and take the shot that I want to take because he's a very confident offensive player right now. You know, you hear a lot of players say they're just going to take what the defense gives them. Well, you're not giving Jalen Brown anything right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, when you become at a certain level as an offensive player, you reach that level. The defense isn't giving you anything. You have to get to your spot. He doesn't hurry. He utilizes his strength when needed. He utilizes his speed when needed. When the defense gets lazy or they don't, he has the skill set to take advantage of a lot of different things. Catch and shoot, one dribble pull up, getting to the basket, finishing over the top around you. And he's just playing the game at a really nice pace right now. And you could see how confident he is. And he never seems to be rushed. And he has a knack for timely shots. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has a very knack for hitting big shots in big moments. So I like where he's playing. I like where he's at. And I think he, if there were an all-star game this year, he would be an all-star the way he's playing. He, I think, has put himself in the conversation as one of the elite players, one of the top 15 players now in the NBA. Ooh. Jalen Brown is, he's hes one of the elite players in the NBA because physically I think he has the physical toughness and the strength to be a primary, when I say primary, to be the number one option. Now, playing with J- Jason Tatum, I mean, Jason Tatum is, I mean, he's, he's gifted. He's a gifted scorer. But Jalen Brown... You know, he has the physical, he can take, he can take the, the, the physical abuse of being a guy who can oh, bump and you he can, off and, and he, do and all he those can, things. And he can give it too. I mean, he, and, and, let's be and honest. He defends. Like, he, he, he owned the Pascal Siakam matchup in the second round of the playoffs last year. He defends, he defends hard. I think he can be, uh, you know, an all NBA defender at some point down the line. Um, but here's what's very encouraging and kind of scary in a, in a funny way. When Kemba comes back, Jalen can go back to being like on any given night, someone's going to be the first option, the second option, the third option. But Jalen can go back to being that number three guy. And then I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going back the, to the but, number three. Right. But, but it's almost like pick your poison and Kemba is smart enough to know these guys need the ball. These guys need to keep going. And Kemba, as we've talked about before, just brings I, that pick and roll dynamic where you're going to have to either. This is what I either... see. To see. This is what I see. Okay. Kemba Walker is, you know, was an all-star player. We don't know where he's going to be when he comes back. Hopefully he's back to being Kemba and doing the things that Kemba can do. But Jalen Brown continues to, his game continues to grow into these roles. The thing that I love about Jalen Brown now, minus Kimber Walker, minus Gordon Hayward, and minus the other players, is that Coach Stevens now has the ability to do and coach great players in a way that they should be coached. 
And what do I mean by that? Those two start the game together, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And whichever one has it going early, the other one comes out. Hmm. Yep. And then when that one ends the first quarter or ends gets substituted at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter, the other one steps in and is able to carry the team during the course of the game. That, to me, is critical because now you're capable of playing the game at a much higher level for a sustained level of time because there's no fighting with who's hot and who's not. And when you have Kimball Walker and Gordon Hayward, and if one of them had it going in early, and when you bring those guys off the bench, they know they have a limited time to play. So they don't have time to not be aggressive when they are on the floor. I like the fact that Jalen Brown can be patient and not worry about having a big first quarter, but knowing that he's going to get touches and do what he has to do to win the game other than just staying aggressive to be in the game. To me, the growth in his ability to understand time and score and the way he's scoring now, I've been very impressed about both of them because they seem to be much more relaxed scorers now because they're not fighting for the ball. They're not fighting for touches. They're not fighting to be aggressive. They understand that at any given moment, they can go off for 15 or 20 points in a quarter. That, to me, is very important when you understand your responsibility to how your team can win. I think that has to... I don't think Jalen Brown now can go back. Hmm. Because... That's a great call. Yeah, I don't think he can go back now. I think Kimball Walker and these guys are going to have to adjust to him now because you can't play with great players and then they're worried about touches. Yep. Great players have to size up the game, look at the game, get the flow of the game, and then figure out how they can win the game. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum right now, they got a good thing going. <laughs> they got a good, nice. They got a good thing going. And for 24 minutes a game, they're actually playing free because they're not fighting to get touches. Not to say that the other players weren't passing them the ball, but, you know, it's like watching Scotty and Michael. Like, if, if, if Jordan had two points at the end of the first quarter, he wasn't over there like, I got to get touches. He's like, okay, let's – Scotty had 12, 13. Let him carry the first. In the second quarter, you put Jordan in, and now he carries the second quarter. That, to me, is the sign of a great team. Because now, Jalen Brown, he's he's there. He's there, my friend. And I don't think there's no going back with him now. Why should he go back? He's at an age now where he's young enough, he's strong enough, and he's playing the game at a very high level. So that's what I see. And this is what Kemba wanted. This is the type of situation and team Kemba wanted to be in when he left Charlotte for Boston. He wanted to be where he didn't have to carry the load. And now he's got two guys that are uh, skyrocketing uh, performance-wise and, and reaching new levels as far as their potential goes. So, uh, of course, we will keep an eye on uh, on the seas. Uh, my backyard. Uh, it's funny to start the week. The Knicks had a better record than the Nets. The Knicks, Knicks. Won, a, Knicks won another impressive game. 
Let's the start Knicks. with the Knicks. Um, what have we learned thus far about the orange and blue? Again, Tom Thibodeau has been sensational. And, you know, when I first came in this league, you know, there was kind of an idea, you know. You know, you, you needed players to win. You needed talent to win. And, you know, coaches come and go, but you need the talent. Well, you can see the impact of now of terrific coaching and leadership now. I think even more so than any other time that I can recall in the NBA. The Tom Thibodeau era has begun in New York. You can see that this team has taken on his personality. You can see that this team has bought into what he's doing. More importantly, they're winning games, yes, and they should get recognition there in New York. Because everything gets overblown, whether they win or lose. It's not as good as they say, but it's not as bad as they say. But here's the one thing I do want to say about New York. Tom Thibodeau has his team playing incredibly hard. They're playing hard on both ends of the court. And when I watch a young player like Julius Randle make a jump like he's made, not... Mm -hmm the way he's scoring the ball, but the way he's passing the ball and sharing the ball with his teammates. That to me says everything about the group because when you play the game together and you recognize the other players on the floor and your teammates, it gives you a chance to win the game. He has them defending together. He has them sharing the ball with one another and you can see every single game with their young players, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Knox, the kid, uh, the point guard, Alfred Payton. They're playing together. Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is coming in with his veteran leadership. And you could see that every game, they're just getting a little bit better. They're playing a little bit harder. And they not they may, on paper, not be the most talented team. But if there's a loose ball, the Knicks are probably going to get it right now. The yeah. Knicks are going to... Hmm. And they did something that you love to see with young players. They were resilient the other night in Atlanta. They were down 15 late in that game. And they kept playing. That's, without question, that's Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau is going to coach for 48 minutes. He's going to coach. I've, I've been knowing Tom for years now. That is a staple of his team. He is going to coach for 48 minutes plus. I love what I'm seeing. I love the fact of how they're building. They're continuing to grow. And this is very positive in New York. But let's give the players credit because they're actually going out there and doing it. But I think we have to really start things with Coach Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau have, has come in there, demanded that they play hard, demanded that they do it together. And because of that, they've had some early success. And they'll continue to do that. Hopefully, they'll continue to do that for the rest of the season. It's really exciting to think about the Thibodeau effect and then think about the fact that this team could really grow into something. Like, this is a lot of young talent. Like, Julius Randle's been in the league for a while. He's still pretty young. I think he's only 26 years old. 
and you combine that with Barrett, you combine that with Robinson and, and some of the other guys. And um, But think about this, though, Eric. This is the same team, basically, that was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, think just about with, what just think with, about just what with I said. less just with less less power forwards on the roster. And speaking of power well, forwards, uh, we haven't even seen Toppin play yet. Well, yeah. less power forwards, though. No. Yeah, this is a positionless game. Yes. A positionless oh, game. There was a lot of duplication there, but I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, it's Barrett, it's Robinson, it's everyone Randall. has duplication. But what I'm saying is, is that this is basically the same team, the same starting lineup from a year ago. But the difference has been Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. It's been the difference. Well, it's you know what difference. I, you know what I sarcastically like to say to uh, the Nick fans I like to mess with is, uh, you know, they get excited. Uh, you know, we're playing hard. I go, yeah, that's that's what happens when you play hard. You you win games and good things happen. I, I just think <laughs> they were just so used to not that. Uh, yeah, you're 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 paid to play hard, and when you play hard. Uh, the basketball gods usually call Well, I think these guys are, you know, I wanted to find that because I, I, I'm really sensitive to I know that you're sensitive. playing hard. I, I get really sensitive to that, to playing hard, you know, comment. It's because, you know, it's like one of those things. It gets over, you know, it's, it gets taken out of context. We, we throw it around. It's like everyone now is a great player. You know, we throw the term, everyone's a star player. Everyone's superstar. a superstar. He's a superstar. Okay. Superstar. Right. Okay. You know, when you come into this league as a young player, you think you're playing hard. It takes time to learn what that really means. It takes time. You know, Julius Randle has been in the league seven, eight years. It's taken time for him to get to this point to understand the difference between playing the game and playing the game with a purpose. Takes time. It takes time for you to just understand that, yeah, I'm a great athlete, but how do you take that athletic ability, Mitchell Robertson, and put it into a a system where it's going to actually benefit the team to help us win games? That takes time. A young man for, last night played 40-something minutes. That's a huge step that mm-hmm. no one's probably going to say about him or it's not going to be anything that's said about it. But when you see a young kid, a young big, see, young bigs don't have the same stamina as the young as the smaller players, because they're they're so much bigger. What he did last night, Mitchell Robinson, to play 41, 40, 41 minutes and change, versus Rudy Gobert, I might add, mm-hmm. says something to me about getting to the point to where. Yeah, everyone thinks they're playing hard, but can you actually play the game at that level? See, that to me is is the difference. So a year ago, he may not have had the ability to play 41 minutes in a competitive game versus a Rudy Gobert. But this year, he does. Great call. Great call. You know, these are the things that I think. So I get sensitive to that because it takes time. That's why it's the NBA. You're playing against the best of the best of the best. Yep. Yeah, he has phenomenal athletic ability. But to be able to play the game and win at this level, I was most impressed that they had like three players that played over 40 minutes last night. They had three players. Yeah. Um, I mean, Julius you know, Randle, 
Yeah, there's only so much R.J. Barrett, box scores, and Alfred Payton. No, Alfred so Payton. It was it was Payton, Robinson, Randall played almost forty, and Barrett played R.J. Barrett. Yeah, so Payton so, forty two, Robinson almost forty two, Randall almost forty, R.J. thirty three, and then that Austin should Rivers. be yeah. Now that's that's impressive that they are building themselves. That's a lot of minutes. Anyone who's played in the NBA knows when you start playing 40 minutes in a regular season game, that's a lot of minutes. The fact that their conditioning is getting to that point and when you're saying, okay, they got something cooking over here. They got something cooking because they have two guys that are in the top five in minutes played in the regular season. Yeah. Got something cooking. Now, what is the first thing that you have to do before you become a good player? Or a great player. First, you got to be in condition to do it. <laughs> it usually helps. Now, what is the difference this year with Julius Randle, in my humble opinion, is his conditioning. He yeah. is playing the game at a very high clip. This is like. Those are massive numbers he's putting up right now. I mean, what 30, did he have last 30, night? 30 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. You, okay. you bet your ass he's in great yeah. shape. Yeah, that, 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 before. We've seen a lot of great talents, and we can all say, oh, he could be, ought to be, should be, would be. Julius Randle is. You can take all of the potential now off as his name. Julius Randle is what he's doing. That's what he is right now. That, that's Charles Barkley-like numbers. Those mm-hmm. are Charles Barkley-like numbers. Mm-hmm. So, again, they're, they're being able to be a good college player in college condition is a total, totally different game than being a professional player and being in professional conditioning. These young men are getting in what I call NBA conditioning. You got to give Tom Thibodeau credit. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how long that it will be sustained. Yep. Those are a lot of minutes. I think at some point you're going to have to, but when you say working hard, I, I, I think they're catching on to it now. You, you, sure. you catch on to it when you, when you play and you win, it's a, it, it, it does something to you. You understand you have a different respect for the game when you play and you win. And I think that's what these young men are going through right now. And as of about 35 minutes ago, the Knicks have announced they are bringing back Taj Gibson, who, of course, was with Tibbs in Chicago, to add another veteran and some depth on the front line. And any team would be lucky to have Taj Gibson, whether he's playing 10 minutes or filling the Udonis Haslam role as just a a leader on the team. So uh, great move. Uh, Brooklyn's finest, Taj Gibson. I had Brooklyn on the list, but I want to hold on Brooklyn until KD comes back from this COVID stuff and then really look at the team. And obviously they've lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the season with the ACL. So we're going to hold on Brooklyn. Um, I hate to do this to you, but we're going to have to get on the plane and go back cross country to the desert. What have we learned thus far about the Phoenix Suns? Well, what haven't we said about Chris Paul? Pretty much. What more can we pretty, say? Pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty much everything. What more can we say? And 
what what he has done is what we've come to expect from a Hall of Fame level player is wherever he goes, he will have an immediate impact on winning. And he's done that over and over and over again. Now, what is his impact? Chris Paul has shown that he has the ability to organize the game of basketball. (laughs) That's what he's shown. Wherever he goes, it's chaotic. It's chaos out there on the floor. Chris Paul can organize a game. He can organize the game. He can organize the team. He shows up in big moments. He has a flair for, you know, getting teams to overachieve. And more importantly, people buy in wherever he's at. People buy in. I mean, last year they were playing the game with three starting point guards. Yep. Made it work. Chris Paul, Shea, Gillis, Alexander, and and Schroeder. And they all bought in (laughs) and they all won. Yeah. That's an incredible achievement. That's not coaching. That's an incredible achievement. Chris Paul got them to buy in and play and play play well and, and play at a very high level. So give Chris Paul credit. You you're seeing Devin Booker competing at a very high level. Deandre Ayton, playing winning basketball, Mikhail Bridges, so forth and so on. And I think the Crowder pickup was a terrific pickup. Hit six threes Monty, Wednesday night. Yeah, Monty. Look. Monty's he, terrific. He's just, is, I mean, he's a great coach. I mean, what, 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 what more can you say about him as a person? And so Chris Paul, it's just a, he's, a, he's a human organizer. That's what he does. If you, you know... He should start his own business. You know, you just call him to organize your life. If you want your life organized, you call Chris Paul. You know, you, you, your, your closet is yeah. a little dirty. You call Chris Paul. Your house is a little, you call Chris Paul. He cleans up the mess, leaves, leaves it perfectly. And then the kid's birthday party in the backyard is chaos. That's what he call does. Chris Paul. Yeah. Call Chris Paul. You know, you got a problem. You just call Chris Paul. So the Capitol I, building gets overrun by domestic terrorists. Call Chris. You Paul. call Chris. Paul. You call Chris Paul. Chris Paul. <laughs> He he. That's what he does. He just organizes people. He is a human organizer. That's what he does. Well, what I love too is they're keeping his minutes down. I mean, I was actually surprised last night he was over thirty minutes, but not to be uh, forgotten here. Cameron Payne, who was almost out of the league, is now playing very good minutes as their backup point guard. He had 10 assists last night in just over 16 minutes. I I can't imagine the effect that Chris Paul is having on him and his confidence and ability to come in the game, direct traffic, keep Chris Paul. You want to learn how to be a point guard in this league? You just call Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just call Chris Paul. Just call Chris Paul. And the other other thing here, um, I've always been a big Dario Saric fan. Um, He's finding a little bit of a groove off the bench. He had 15 points in 16 minutes, but – do you remember draft night? I think it was two years ago and they drafted Cameron Johnson and everybody was like laughing at them because he wasn't on many people's like top 25 or 30 list. Mm-hmm. And they drafted him in the lottery and he has now become their sixth man and double digit score off the bench. So it's great to see what they're doing. And uh, when you were talking about Monty, I had this uh, as I always do when certain names come up, but I, I just, I, 
I had this flashback to Saturday afternoon college basketball um, and him playing for the Irish back in what the mid correct me if I'm wrong Monty's he came in the league what five five six years after you he came in the league in the mid 90s yeah something like that yeah from uh, Notre Dame right yeah Notre Dame and and he was I mean for those that don't know BJ can you just give a a 30 second scout on how great of a college player Monty Williams was because I don't think he was terrific yeah, Monty was terrific, terrific player, terrific person. And, you know, he has this ability to make you, you know, you know how you, you ever talk to people and they make you feel like they're present in your conversation and uh, just a really one of the good guys yeah. in the NBA. And this is a terrific, terrific guy, terrific basketball player. And, you know, anytime I've had a, a client who's played for him, they 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 hold him in the the highest regard for who he is as a person, and he treats these young players with the utmost respect. And I, I suspect it probably comes from his years of playing and how he wanted to be treated. So, uh, but he he's he's been great, and and also want to give a shout out to James Jones as well over yep. there because you know it, it's so tough to turn things around, and 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 um, you know. There in Phoenix, they've done a great job. And I think, you know, Monty and James Jones and Chris Paul, you know, all of those guys have had success uh, over the years, participated in the NBA. And and um, they've had, you know, good players over the years. But it takes leadership. And Monty and James and Chris Paul have really provided that for them this year. And you can see the turnaround and. And you know what are they six and two or something early on, and uh, it's 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 been good thus far. Yep, for sure, for sure. All right, weekend ahead, we've got some interesting things. So I'm just gonna state the uh, the game or the matchup, and I just want your immediate reaction, and then we'll move on to the next. Good. Let's do it. Friday night, first round, Lonzo Ball, Lamelo Ball, Pelicans, Hornets. First meeting. Go. <laughs> I mean, it's not Hagler Hearns, but it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, thank goodness I'm not from this generation where stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm just not intrigued with that. Like, like so you know, when so I you look know, at the. So you first, and then I'll tell you why this is so yeah, funny. Yeah, I'm just not intrigued. Like, I. I'm I'm looking at the the Pelicans and they lose a game the other night to to the Pacers and I'm saying well I, I'm expecting this team to to be in the playoffs this year I really yeah. am I mean Brandon Ingram is I mean he's ascended now he's he's you know he's he's a very consistent player night in and night out Zion it's great to see him on the floor mm-hmm. playing the way he's playing. So I'm expecting this team to win. I'm not lo- really looking for a matchup between. I mean, that's just not my thing. But it, it might be a thing, but it's just not my thing. Uh, I saw the, the the Charlotte Hornets the other night beat the Dallas Mavericks. Then they go down there and they beat the Atlanta Hawks. So, you know, I'm like, I'm just interested to see how they're going to continue to improve 
Charlotte. And more importantly, I've seen some really high moments from LaMelo. I've seen some high moments. I've seen some low moments. So I'm just excited to see two young emerging teams try to figure it out. And but the sideshow, I'm not really into that. Yeah. Uh, But it sounds good. I want to see how they're going to go at each other. But the reason why I was laughing is because um, for the, the, the work I'm doing with uh, stack and with Barnes, we started this new Monday segment where we take the big things coming out of the weekend and look at things in the week ahead. And we tape it on Monday and we put it out as quickly as possible Monday evening. So I planted this in the rundown and you know, they look at everything ahead of time and we get ready and we go. And when it comes to this question, Stack is just like, why did we include this in here? I'm not excited about this at all. Like that's yeah, part of yeah. our show and we had a good laugh about it. So it's 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 um, it's interesting because of all the hype that has been around both players. It's interesting to me because of uh, A, the situation that Lonzo's in with the Pelicans, and we talked about the fact that he did not get the contract uh, extended before the season. And then the Charlotte uh, situation is very interesting to me with uh, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, who's had some huge games, LaMelo, Gordon Hayward scores 44 points the other night. Um, it's going to be interesting to see for me to see how that works and whether they're going to have to move on from one of those guards, either Rozier or Devontae in the long run. So, well, um, yeah. Well, I, I think so. when you have a guard like LaMelo, you know, the best thing in, in, in playing that position, I'm very respectful to the position. And there aren't many players that you can just thrust into the, give them the ball from day one and just thrust them into the to the game and say, go play. Sure. Because you have to learn, one, the NBA game. Two, you're managing adults. Three, Hey, by the way, you got to play against those other players. And those guys on the other side are pretty good. So there's a lot of things going on. And then you have to manage your game and time and score and all those things. So giving a player the ball on day one, I don't know if it serves them well, because there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn at that position. So what they're doing by bringing him off the off the bench, to me, is the greatest thing it can probably happen to him. Like most people, you 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 want patience, but you want it now. So he probably wants to start, I'm sure, as he should. I mean, he's clearly he's a very talented player talking about LaMelo Ball. Without question, he, he looked like he could be a star in this league. But when he looks back on his career, this is probably the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Why do I say that? It's because you, you're learning how to manage a game with the idea to win the game. It's much more difficult in this league to play winning basketball than to be a good team on a, be a good player on a bad team. LaMelo Ball, look, this is a, I mean, this is a very different situation, right? This isn't high school. This isn't like you're playing in, you know, FIBA basketball or what have you. He's playing in an NBA game versus the best players in the world. Like Magic Johnson, when he came in this league, Magic Johnson, right? 
some will argue the greatest point guard in the history of the game. He shared the ball with Norm Nixon. Yeah. Think about that. His career turned out okay. Yep. Yeah. I don't think people, I don't, and I don't think people realize Magic was like the number one option every night until like 86, 87. Like you have to learn. So, yeah. LaMelo right now, what I love about this situation for him is that they're winning. They're winning. Yeah. They're, they're being competitive. That's a different ball game than going out and losing. Yeah. Playing 35 minutes and you're, uh, you're two and, and, and you have no chance to win. You know it. Yep. Okay, yep. you get 30 points and you're not winning. So I like what yep. they're doing with him. I like how they're bringing him along. I would hope right now that he doesn't get exposed to what this league is about as a starting point guard because when you go out there and play against players who are capable of scoring 50, 60 points on you, you don't know how a young player will respond to that. Like, if I was a rookie or you're a young player and Steph Curry hits you for 62, how do you respond to that, Eric? Damian Lillard, what did he do? Hmm. Respect that he moves since on. Somebody hit me with sixty. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you do when Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard and and Derrick Rose and and all of these players, De'Aaron Fox and Kyrie Irving, Kimber Walker? You have to learn how to have the mental capacity to understand and take that. Trey Young. Yeah, I'm not sure you know that in year one. No, it's great. It call. takes time. You know, Jamal Murray is capable at any given moment of scoring 50 points in an NBA game. Like, how do you take that? I mean, I, I saw Bradley Beal have 60 points the other night. Like, like, how do you take that against the number one team, the number one rated defensive team in the league? Okay. So the fact that this young man, LaMelo Ball, and I'm sorry to go on, but LaMelo Ball is in this situation where he's getting a chance to, to see how Devontae Graham, he, he could have easily been the most improved player in the league last year. Terry, Rose, Terry Rozier had a 40-point game already this season. <laughs> okay. By the way, Gordon Hayward had 44, what, just last night or a night before? Wednesday night, yeah. yeah. Okay. This young man is getting a chance to see from the inside on what it takes to compete at this level night in and night out. You know, I, I love that. I love that. And then when he is ready to give him the ball, because he is a unique talent. That man is 6'7", six, 6'8", six, pass the ball, rebound the ball, shooting the ball better than we all, at least I anticipated early in the season. I, I think the man has a chance. I think the kid has a chance to be a really, really good player up here. But let's give him time before we throw him out there because Kyrie Irving and those guys, you know, those, those guys can be unforgiving. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're going at him. Oh, he's... They he's, going at him. There's a target on him, for sure. You're a rookie guard him, in this league, there's a target on you. So, you know, and if he's ready next year, be ready but let winning 
be the determining factor when that time is. Let winning determine that. You know, let, so sorry, that was just my. Yeah, yeah, we got we got away from the rapid fire, but uh, we can always get back to it. No, great thoughts, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I asked. Um, Clippers Warriors will play Friday night for the second time this week. Clippers won a tight one earlier in the week. Um, you know, in the past decade, with the rise of the Splash Brothers and the Warriors becoming champions, Lob City. Um, and then the scrappy uh, pre-Kawhi Paul George team that gave Golden State a, a bit of a challenge uh, early in the 2019 playoffs. We've, we, we, we've had like mini rivalry moments between the Clips and the Warriors. Um, yep. They played in the playoffs in 14. Um, in 2015, Lob City... Um, blew a 3-1 lead to the Rockets in the second round, and they would have matched up with the Warriors in the conference finals, which I think would have been a great series. Now we've got uh, we've got new characters now. My question for you is, um, how nice would it be to have this mini rivalry back now that Steph is back on the floor and the Warriors are finding some footing here? And, of course, the Clippers' ultimate goal is to still come out of the West. I use rivalry loosely in modern. Yeah, you, you. I was just going there. I was going I there. Know, I know. You got to win something to be. You got to. Yeah. You. You got to. Yeah. It's a rivalry. Okay. Well, there's only been one team that has won. Yes. I like the Patrick Beverly individual matchup with Steph Curry. Why? Because both of them have achieved a level of success as an offensive player and as a defensive player. I think both players have a clear understanding of what this league is all about. And there's a mutual respect that they have for one another, which I, I appreciate. Other than that, I don't know where the rivalry is at because the Warriors, what they have three championships and the Warriors are going through a they're in a different stage. I don't think they have the same expectations at this time the way their team is currently constructed that the Clippers have at this particular time. Not to say that they won't get there, but down having losing Klay Thompson and not being healthy, even if Klay Thompson was healthy, you know, you still have to come back from injury and, and, and prove it. I think the Warriors are at a different timeline than the Clippers are right now. But it's nice to revisit those situations. It's nice to see those individual matchups. It's nice to know that if they were healthy, that would be a fun matchup to watch, to, to mm -hmm. see. I would love to see Paul George and Klay Thompson and Steph Curry and, 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 and all those players that they're going to play against. And Patrick Beverly, I should say. And and then we can go from there. Serge Ibaka, Draymond well, uh, Green. And I think it's a nice... T well, it's Ibaka, Wiseman, and I, I like the test for uh, Oubre and Wiggins facing yeah, off against I think Paul it, yeah, George be, and Kawhi be, Leonard. I, I, I like what this can do for the Warriors. So, of course, there's yeah. no rivalry here right now, but I would like Warriors and Clippers to get back on track to where it was going with some some... Some chippiness and some heated play, and the 
you know, I'm an East Coast guy, but you know, I know the uh, the NoCal SoCal uh, di- dichotomy. I know that dynamic, right? You know, and uh, but I I mean I I think the Clippers right now, the Clippers have a goal because yeah. last year I don't work for the Clippers, but that left a bad taste in my mouth. That, that, that left a bad taste in my mouth, the way the season ended for them. Because I was expecting them, at the very least, to get to the conference finals. At the very least. Especially, yeah. I mean, they were up 3-1 in the series. 3-1 with leads. So, but we'll see. Leads. Yeah. We'll, we'll, think, we'll see yeah. how this plays out. and um, I'd, I'd be more vested interest-wise with what the Clippers do with their season, of course, if Doc was still there. That's just me. I'm just one man. Right. Um, a weekend I've loved since 1986. NFL wild card weekend. We've got six games. I'm just stating fact. The Browns are back. Sorry the Lions aren't here. I know you're a big sports fan. I know you like to consume it all. We've got six games. Give me Titans, the game. Ra- Titans, Ravens, Bills, Colts, Brown Steelers, Tampa versus the Washington football team, the Saints host the Bears, the Rams and the Seahawks. What's the one game that you're going to sit down, snacks, focus, put the feet up, and get into? Well, the Steelers, I always watch the Steelers. I always watch the Steelers. Okay, so we will be texting on Sunday night. And the Ravens, I'm going to watch. That that Ravens-Titans game is going to be a street yeah. fight of a football game. That is going to be great. Yeah. The, 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 those are the games I'm going to have my eye on. The Ravens. Yeah. And that Rams-Seahawks game is going to be a good football game. That's yeah, always a that's, good football game. With yeah, those, I, yeah. That's going to be a good game. But I, I, I'm... I, the, the Ravens... That quarterback. Are you, wait, there. are you are you are you like secretly a Ravens guy? Because you're you like the Steelers too. I mean, I know you're a Lions fan, but if you're gonna if you're gonna no, be into I, if you're gonna pay attention to the Steelers and have like this AFC rooting interest, that's fine. But you can't also root for the Ravens. I'm drawing the line here. Well, if I have to choose a team, I'm I'm rooting for for the Steelers. If I had to draw the line. Oh, okay. But right. I I I. I at some point, this Steelers ownership over the Cleveland Browns that has existed literally since the end of the glorious dog pound era of the 80s, it's got to end at some point. And right now, right now, I'm putting it out there right now. It ends Sunday night. You think Cleveland, so? The, the Cleveland Browns, you just keep piling adversity on top of this team. Like the coach has COVID. They're, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out how to win the football game. 25 years ago, they moved. They became the Ravens. Okay? The chickens are coming home to roost. Well, I don't want to get into the, the fan part of it. I know. I'm just like you. I'm just, you, you, am, you I'm just amped the, up. No. So I, get haven't, the fan I haven't lost sleep. Um, the last time I lost sleep over a football game was when the Browns blew a 10-point fourth quarter lead to the Steelers in the 2003 wild card game 
which was the same day the New York Giants blew a three touchdown lead in San Francisco and had that crazy right. that crazy playoff game. Those were back to back. I was so upset after that Browns loss. Um and then they just became a joke. I, I've stayed connected to the Browns because it was part of my childhood. Uh, I love the dog pound stuff. I, I love the uh, the tradition that came with it. It was my introduction to football. Football opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, you know, playing it, uh, you know, small school and, and college, uh, more so for the life lessons and the relationships. But um, I also had the chance to film with the dog pound guys a few years ago, trying to put that project together, and it was it was like really special and meaningful. So I'm. Uh, I'm all in on the Browns this weekend. It's going to be fun. You're all in? Okay. I'm I, all in. I, I, I'm I can all in. see. I'm all in yeah. on the Steelers. Yeah. I'm might, all in. You, you might get some videos like with some F-bombs in them. I might put the helmet on. You, you could do that. It's all, it's all I, I'm, I'm just going to stick with my – I'm going to stick with my guys. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the head coach over there, Mike well, the, Tomlin. And he's – and he, he he's always the difference maker. He, he, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to stick with my guy. He, he just shows up, man. He Mike Tomlin – Man, if you could be if you could be a fan of a team, knowing I've got a coach like that for two decades, like that's what, what that I'm must be like. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah he, that, that's, He's a top he ten. Just, he, he's a top ten coach in all of team sports. He's yeah, Mike Tomlin and. Well, think about this too. In our lifetimes, the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches. Right, Tomlin took over for Cower, who took over for Chuck Knoll. Maybe there was one head coach before Knoll, like right when you were born. But I, I, yeah, I can't remember yeah. offhand. That's pretty yeah, that's, incredible to be part of that lineage. That's what um, I'm saying. Like, like, yeah. like I, I love him. And then, and I know I said the Steelers, but I'm going to go back to, to the to the QB for... No, he's unbelievable. For the Ravens, I, st- I like, still can't believe the that guy's so fast. He runs off my television sometimes. Nice. Like he says, I like, just, that. He, I like that. He he he. That play he, he just, made again. Yo, that play he made against the Browns when he comes back from the locker room, fourth down, scrambles, makes the throw across his body. The Monday night game. Yeah, oh, he's my goodness. he's special. He, so I, I'm gonna th- those. I, I'm interested in 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 watching those guys. I'm rooting yeah. for those guys, and then we'll see. And then. I'm sure I'll be getting text messages for you and good luck. You know, S. Stefanski's son is the coach for for uh, the Browns. Coach Stefanski. You know, S. Stefanski, who works, he's like the president of the uh, Detroit Pistons. Oh, I forgot about that. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So I was in Detroit the weekend he got hired. Oh, cool. With, yeah. So. Uh, so I have a, a personal connection there with you. So with despite so despite that personal connection and positive vibes, you're still not going to root for them. It's not that I'm going to root for. Them. I just told you who I was rooting for. I told you who I was rooting for. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just trying to. Ed is. Ed, Ed, Ed is. Ed, you know. I'm, I'm. Of course, I'm rooting for the Stefanskis to do well. Let's hope he gets better. You know, he has COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. And. Um, that's going to be. I mean, he's got to be. He's got to have some sort of. Who gets a, a, to win if they win the game? Who gets to win? Who gets well, to win? Well, he's got to be coaching. Record? He's but he's got to be coaching through technology somewhere. 
Like something's got to be happening. He's not just like, sitting at home yelling at the television. Well, he can't go. He can't be in the building. Well, what is he going to be? What is he going to do? Be calling from home? What is it? He can't do Well, I want the same technology. Zoom. Like if he can call from the call from his couch to get something done, why can't we call from our couch to get something done? I mean, he's got to be on with whoever's up in the booth, right? Like, I have no idea. I don't and, know how that and would work. Piped in on the headset on the sideline. All right, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. Um. I love the way we've been closing it. So um, let's close it with one great story from BJ Armstrong. The theme being... Um, Why am I always giving the stories? When are you going to give some stories? <laughs> okay. One great story from Eric Newman. Um, All right, next week. This story, you want to see... You want a story about? I was I wasn't prepared. Uh, give me give me one great story about a road trip experience in the league. Something memorable from your time on the road, off the court, the bond with the teammates, the brotherhood. Something that pops into your mind. If you want me to name a city, um, I'll name a random city. I don't know why I remember this. I, re- I remember one of my first road trips in the NBA was to uh, Salt Lake City, of all places. And every year in the early part in Chicago, when I, when I first came into the league, they used, they used to have the the circus would come in over at the beginning of November. So we would go on like a two-week road trip at the beginning of the season. And one of our first road trips was to Salt Lake City and the Salt Palace. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And really, really high ceiling, right? Yeah, yeah. It was in the and Salt like, Palace. Like, like, like very distinct watching on TV what that arena yeah. felt like. Yeah. Yes, it was in the Salt Palace. And we stayed, I can't remember what the name of the hotel where we stayed, but I remember there was no room service in the hotel. Okay. And, and the reason that was a big deal is because when I first came into the league, you know, I was used to in college where you would have like, you know, like a team, the, 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 the college, you would have like a, you know, the, the, the pregame meal and you would come down, you would do everything together and you would do everything together. Well, when I first got in the NBA, I, I realized that games at seven 30, Bus is at five, and it was your job just to get ready. So you had to learn how to manage your time, food, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. So, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm cool. I'm, I'm asking the the, the 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 older guys, like, you know, like, how does this work? You know, like, where are we eating? And everybody's looking at me like, what do you mean, where are we eating? You're like, you, hey, Rook, you know, you, you do it yourself. Okay, all right. And you order room service. And I was like, God, room service. Like you wouldn't dare order room service in college. You know, that was like, (laughs) (laughs) and um, so that was cool. But I remember there was no room service at the hotel we were staying and the arena was literally across the street. So it was like no bus. And I was like, wow, I've never walked to a game before. Like that just seemed odd to me. Like, so we're just going to like, walk into the game and then play. There was no bus and there was no room service. And I remember one of my first road trips, I I walked to like Denny's 
And that was my breakfast. I don't know why that sticks out to me. Like, like yeah. I just walked to Denny's, like, which was like across the other, you know, kitty corner, had breakfast. I walked to shoot around. <laughs> I walked to shoot around. Like, and you're doing this all alone as a rookie in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And I, and I remember I walked to shoot around and I thought, is this the NBA? And then I walked back from shoot around. Back to the, to the hotel, and then around three o'clock or three thirty or so, I walked back over to Denny's, got a little pregame meal. You double dipped at Denny's. Well, well it was, where, 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 you, where else are you supposed to do? That was all. I, I, I didn't just, know anything. It's like my, I'm, I'm concerned about your digestive system and the fuel. You're well, I, well in your what body. else are you supposed to do? You know, what know. were you supposed to do? Time. I know. I maybe, know. I mean, maybe your man, the other your man Krause wasn't having pregame pregame meals catered. You know, well, I this is and I I just remember that was kind of like, you know, but that was before we were staying in the you know. So what uh, what do you think? What do you think Mike would eat in Salt Lake City with no room service? You know, I I, to this day I have no idea. I've never asked anybody, (laughs) but I was wondering what was I the that was my only solution, right? Maybe they did have special room service. I have no idea, but. You think you got rookied? Like no, there were other there were other player there were other players there, and but I just thought that was kind of my introduction to the NBA. You know, like what are you yeah. supposed to do? And I just remember doing that. So that's one of my first road trips. Do you remember of, what you ate at Denny's for lunch? I think I had. I don't know. I, I always tried to have some type of pasta or carbohydrates or something so i probably mm-hmm. had like whatever the pasta was salad you're you, you are you're you, i mean you're a, you're living on the edge with a denny's pasta but i respect it i respect you, it you know, the thing is you got to do what you got to do yeah. this is this is you know this was this is 1989 yeah. yeah this is yeah i can't imagine is, what salt lake city utah felt like yeah, it was like I remember. Yeah, exactly. So it was just a different time, but I remember that was like my first road trip, right? Do you remember? And, uh, you only play them once a year. Did you, did you guys uh, win that game? Or I can't go, remember. I gotta I go. I gotta go. Okay, so I'll I'll keep everybody on the edge of their seat. Probably, next, we are probably next week, not. We'll, <laughs> probably not. Probably next week not. we'll we'll get the uh, we'll get the breakdown between BJ's minutes and guarding. Uh, was that Bill Hansen who, uh, who played on the Jazz? Back no, I then? think at the time, at the time, I think it might have been like Ricky Green and Ricky Green. Well, it was Jeff Malone, right? Or Ricky was he Green. still in I the think East? Might have been Daryl Griffin. Might have been Daryl Griffin. Yeah, I can't remember. Of, like it's so old, right? You know? Stockton, Malone, Thurl oh, Bailey, oh, Mark really. Eaton, your man Blue Edwards. Oh yeah. No, Blue yeah. wasn't there then. He wasn't there then. No. No. No, Blue. Blue didn't come to later. Uh, I'm trying to think. Okay. Thurl. I stand corrected then. Might have been. It was, I don't want to say. Was it Adrian Danley back then? I don't. I don't. I can't remember. No. So but I just, Danley had already been traded to he, Dallas um, for Aguirre. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't. But that's remember. that's but, no. That's a different era, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. BJ. But Thomas. that's what that's what I remember. My, one of my first road trips was like. So I was always concerned about the food. And I made an effort to make sure that I always had the food situation taken care of. Um, and I think that's probably how I became a foodie. Oh, wow. You know, I was, 
I'm, I'm, I'm always concerned about food. A back-to-back at Denny's on a game day will do that to you. What else were you going to do? I didn't have any other options. <laughs> just, and then if I remember correctly, yeah, you know, after the game, you know, you weren't taking out, you know, we weren't, we were flying commercially. So guess what I had for dinner? Denny's on the plane. Denny's on the plane. You're okay, Eric. You got to remember the game starts at like 730. Oh, so Denny's is playing closed. the game. No, Denny's isn't closed. Denny's is like 24 hours, you know, or whatever. And then that's, so you, I remember so that's what back I had to Denny's? after the game. That's, there was no room service in this. So, so I'm asking, Denny's on the yeah, plane? Did you so, take yeah. it to go and bring it on the plane? No, did, no, you, no not on the plane. You sat down again. You, did, you didn't leave. There was no flights leaving oh, Salt it, Lake City it, at like so 11 p.m. So you yeah. You're yeah. in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Forgive me. I forgot the flight. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there, there's no, there's no red eye leaving Salt yeah. Lake City. <laughs> this is New York, pal. You're on, you're on the, you're on the only flight the next morning. Got it. Got it. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, so yeah. So trifecta at Denny's. I mean, now, now I'm super curious. Now I've got to look up the game and what happened. Yeah, I just, I, I remember, I just, that was. Hold on. That Bear was with the me. NBA back Bear then. Bear with me. Bear with me. Where are you, Internet? Come on. Let's see. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember, but I. But I do remember. It was like a. It was like a Denny's. Yeah, I think it was a Denny's. One of those type places, though. That was connect. That was connected. Let's see. To... Look you up. And then we go with your rookie year. And we go. Chicago at Utah, November 15th, 1989. (laughs) The final score. Are you waiting in suspense? As I have too many browser windows open. The Utah Jazz, 108. The Chicago Bulls, 107. Oh. Mike had 40 points, 10 rebounds. Scotty had 14 points. Horace had 13 boards. Paxson at 27. And oh. Rookie, rookie B.J. Armstrong chipped in off the bench, 13 minutes. Two for four from the field, one for two from the line, five points. So I wonder if you could have made that other free throw. What uh, what could have happened there? You lost. By I would. I should have. I wonder. I, I wonder if. I wonder if it was the Denny's. I should have eaten wherever Paxson and <laughs> MJ ate. I, I tell you where, that. It, where did Pax eat that game? That's crazy. Pax. Uh, Pax shot the lights out. He was eleven of seventeen, and this shows how different everything was back then. Pax scores twenty-seven points. Obviously, the reputation for a shooter, and he did not even attempt the three-pointer that game. The art of the mid-range. Forever. Yeah, that's. Um, this was. Uh, this that's was what I remember. Today, that's. A, yeah, that's what I remember about my early. It was early in the. It was early, so I was like, okay, I got to learn how to eat. I got to learn to find places. I got to learn how to manage. So that was one of my first trips because I remember there wasn't. 
a restaurant or anything in this hotel that we were staying. Yep. And, you know, I don't know what the other players did. Well, the other veteran players, I should say, but us young guys, that's what we did, right? And um, so that was my introduction to the NBA. A little Denny's. Yeah. That was uh, that was the eighth game of the season. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So that's that's what I remember. Great show today, my man. Good to be back in. Thank it. you. Happy New Year, 2021. Special thanks as always to the team, Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Tom Phillip, the entire Pubes Media family. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show each and every Monday with his esteemed guests. Tuesday, full court. Talking college hoops with Fisher and Kay. Wednesdays, Catch and Shoot 2.0. Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. Thursdays, it's Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And Fridays, Pure Hoops Podcast. BJ Armstrong, yours truly, Eric Newman right here, presented by Pure Hoops Media. Uh, Great weekend of sports ahead. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Most importantly, stay pure. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.